Welcome back, Dad, and all those who are listening to mm -hmm. the Jesus Said That series as we're looking at every word Jesus said in the Gospels and hopefully into the New Testament. That's right. Um, this is the Father and Son Pastoral Podcast. And today we'll be looking at Jesus's first exorcism in a synagogue. So a very interesting passage that has to do about demons. That's so right. that'll be the topic of today. Um, we'll be looking at Mark 1 and Luke 4. Mm -hmm. So I'm joined by my father, yeah. Dr. Mm -hmm. Ken Bird Sr., senior pastor at Coleman Manor Bible Church and author of the FIRE series and the Ken J. Burge Foundation, Senior Foundation and so forth. And I am Pastor Kenny Burge Jr., and I am the associate pastor at Comer Manor Bible Church and creator of Theology for Everyday Life for Kids. So, uh, like I said, this is an interesting podcast It sure today is. Because we're looking at the demonic realm. So, uh, we're going to jump to it in a minute. But this passage is all about Jesus' power and authority mm -hmm. over the spiritual and natural world. That's right. And how they're kind of... We tend to think of them as two separate realms, mm -hmm. but uh, we see how they're both intertwined. And we're going to see the reality of the demonic realm, which is still active today. Mm -hmm. I think we're very yeah, foolish to believe that uh, there's less demonic activity today. That's right. I agree. Obviously, there's a lot in Jesus's time and location simply because they were trying to stop him and exactly. they had other factors. But uh, I I mean, it's not like I think demons disappear or anything. That's right. I think yeah. they're still around. They That's just... Right adapt uh, to the culture. Sure. So uh, before we uh, really get into the text, are there any stories uh, you're at liberty to share um, about demons or demonic encounters um, other than you told me earlier, uh, raising your sons? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, th there are three ones I'll just touch on uh, briefly. The first account, I had just started ministry. It was a rainy evening. And I, frankly, I didn't feel all that well. And I was asked to go visit uh, a couple because their 10-year-old girl they perceived was a demon possessed. That sounds like the start of a book. Like, yeah, you know, sadly, do -do 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 -do. you know, um, I couldn't send you because that's when you send your associate <laughs> pastor, but you were probably the ripe old age of three uh, uh, at that time. So I was on my own. And uh, from the time I got inside this house, this 10-year-old girl uh, kept trying to spit on me. Uh, she talked uh, with uh, phraseology far beyond what a 10-year-old should say and talked about things a 10-year-old should never talk about. So there's obvious uh, demonic activity uh, from what I perceived. It. Long story short, uh, I met with the parents, led both of them to Christ, and they were opening up their home to demonic influence mm. through their parents who both had occultic uh, practices. <laughs> so uh, that was a fascinating uh, one. A uh, second occasion, probably a decade uh, later, uh, counseling a lady, and uh, she would just look at me and say, Pastor, I can see the demons over your head. And uh, But she knew things. Uh, she pointed out to me activities going on in people's lives. She said one time, you see that young lady at this other place? Uh, everybody thinks she's really good, but she's doing things. And sure enough, she knew. <laughs> you know, there's certain insight that the... Uh, um, demons seem to give to those that they have an influence upon. But thankfully, uh, through a godly counsel, I believe, because of the power and authority that's given uh, through uh, the word, there was uh, a vast improvement. And, and the third incident was I was asked to go with a fellow pastor to a home of a couple I knew. And uh, there were sightings. Uh, this uh, girl kept appearing out of nowhere. And uh, so this fellow pastor asked her if I'd go meet with the uh, couple, uh, go through the house and pray. And I'm telling you, from the moment we walked into mm -hmm. the home, anything that could go wrong went wrong. Phone ringing, a neighbor came by, dog uh, barking. <laughs> it, was, it was just crazy. Uh, but it turned out that this couple's daughter uh, had practices going on that shouldn't have been going on. And honestly, I, I think there were sightings, probably demonic. Mm -hmm. And uh, we gave counsel, prayed through the home. And uh, sure enough, with the guidance we gave, uh, that ceased. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, just uh, just three uh, off the cuff over uh, my 35 years of pastoral <laughs> ministry, and I, I hope not to have a fourth. Uh, well, I know, um, <laughs> being the sound man at church for a long time before yeah. moving into the praise team, yeah. uh, anytime you pre preached on anything with the, uh, the demoniac or yeah. any passage on a That's demon— right. 
stuff never works. Never works. Yeah. <laughs> and when you're recording, that's when stuff like is Absolutely. blowing up. And yeah. um, people could say it's just coincidence, but I can probably name you 20 or 30 times throughout the last maybe 15, 20 years sure. when right. we tried to record, you tried to preach. Yep. And just it's always on those Sundays in particular yeah. um, where just everything goes weird. Right. Yeah. Um, I know I've had a couple, we could say odd <laughs> encounters um, just throughout the years. But one that happened somewhat recently was there was a person who was uh, struggling uh, heavily, has uh, many challenges, uh, not a member of the church or anything, um, but druggy. Um, so, you know, when people start talking to you, sometimes you're like, you know, you look for the obvious signs. Are they like yeah. high or sure. boozed out of their mind or something? But uh, this guy, uh, it was weird because I'd known him for a long time. And it was almost like he had two personalities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he started talking to me and just started raving like crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. um, he started talking about all this like prostitution and things and pointing out houses in the town mm -hmm. and um, just his his tattoo and things were talking to him. And it's like, <laughs> this, this isn't good. <laughs> All right. But, but I was kind of used to that, what I would say, pitiful side, where it's just like the poor guy's mind is just mm -hmm. in a very bad place. So you just try to listen and be kind. Right. Uh, but then, uh, then all of a sudden, it was like his personality just changed yeah. in the middle of the conversation. And it was almost like he was trying to intimidate me, mm -hmm. which I always hear with demonic things. It's That's always right. intimidation. Right. It was like, um, one second he's pleading, saying, help me, help me. And the next second, I remember, because it happened quickly, he came to my side and grabbed my arm. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. That's never good. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, if he has any weapon or anything on the other sure. side, I'm kind of in a bad I'm in a bad spot. So your mind's racing. Sure. And just all of a sudden, he was like just a totally new man in a bad way and it was just creepy just how he was talking the things he was saying mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it was like it like switched off yeah and then all of a sudden he's pleading with me so you know my counsel to him was to get out of his current location because mm -hmm. uh people were trying to harm and we won't go into those details but uh yeah so um that was weird i've had other occasions but that was the one that stood out to mm -hmm. me you know, I mean, it was in the last couple months so uh yeah never fun but the demonic realm is real. That's right. It is. <laughs> um, and I always caution Christians. I remember I was at one service and they were saying, we're going to stumble over the devil and his forces. And it's like, we, you always respect an enemy. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel that is how it is with the demonic forces. Um, obviously, you don't revere them. They're mm -hmm. wicked. They're evil. But they are powerful forces. And we can't rely on ourselves right. to overcome them. It's uh, the power of God. Yeah. Uh, prayer, fasting, and so forth. Absolutely. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, hoping to learn how to exercise a demon, uh, you're out of luck because uh, <laughs> that that is not what me and Pastor Ken do here. That's right. So, um, yeah. But yes, there the demonic realm is real yeah. and really creepy stuff. Um, and here's our question for today: mm -hmm. um, As a Christian, am I engaged in spiritual warfare? By boldly telling others about Christ's identity as redeemer and judge, redeeming my time for the sake of the kingdom. In other words, am I doing all I can for the kingdom? Right. Yeah. Um, am I giving the gospel, seeing how Jesus will redeem, but also the flip side, that he will judge right. as well? Because yeah. we don't want to be just a happy-go-lucky, Jesus loves you, mm -hmm. no bad side. That's right. Or am I on the sideline? relaxing and drinking spiritual slurpees which consist of reading about spiritual warfare but not engaging are you the type of person you're always a bible study you enjoy reading your bible but you're not really engaging in anything mm -hmm. so uh the point of today's episode is to see the reality of spiritual warfare and to engage on the right side That's right. <laughs> you don't want to be fighting for the other side That's so right. uh, some of us tend to mm. so uh today's podcast only has one sentence spoken by mm -hmm. jesus but it's very powerful. Right. He says, be silent and come out of him. Mm -hmm. um, so let's just get right Absolutely. to the text. Uh, not a very long text, but mm -hmm. uh, we're going to turn to Mark 1. Mm -hmm. And this is in verse 21. And uh, then they went to Capernaum. Uh, this is Jesus, we believe, Peter. Mm -hmm. Remember, he had just called a couple of fishermen. Yeah. So their second calling. Mm-hmm. And right away, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. Mm -hmm. Now, 
just really quickly, um, I had three questions when I read this. What was a synagogue service like? Okay, question. We touched on that briefly, so we'll go through that really fast. What did the synagogue at Capernaum look like? Mm-hmm. Um, you were there, so you yeah. can give us some insight on that in a minute. And why did the Jewish people worship in synagogues? After all, they had a temple, That's right. so why did they do it? Um, to answer the first question, what was a synagogue service like? Um, back in, I think it was podcast 14, when Jesus is rejected at Nazareth, mm-hmm. uh, we went over a typical um, service. So I'll, I'll sum it in under 30 seconds. Uh, they walked in, they quoted Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, 11, 13 through 21, and Numbers 15, 37 through 41, called mm-hmm. the Shema. And all they were doing was pledging their allegiance to the one God. That's right. Next, they prayed. They heard a passage read from the Pentateuch or the Torah, then a, me- a passage from the prophets, a sermon, and a final priestly blessing. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what a typical service looked like. Mm-hmm. So the second question, what did the synagogue at Capernaum look like? Um, once again, I say this a lot, but this is when I'm sad always. It's a podcast, and it's not as good as when you're at Bible study, because at Bible study, I have actually all these pictures mm-hmm. um, that I can share with people and show them exactly what it looks like. Yeah. But obviously, uh, due to copyright and being a podcast, for those who are listening on Apple or wherever, you can't obviously see anything. Mm-hmm. And then those on YouTube, I don't have the copyright. I can do it in the classroom, but mm-hmm. you know, not uh, on the internet. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, you were there. So what what does the uh, synagogue at Capernaum look like? Yeah, when I got uh, there in '93, uh, uh, there were excavations that had gone on. Uh, there was a a, a current. Um, situation where they it goes back to maybe like the fourth century, mm. but when they dug under that, uh, they perhaps found uh, the original synagogue that was there, and that's that's pretty amazing. Oh. Uh, when you stop and think about, here's a site that that most likely Jesus was at, yeah. and he did this uh, exorcism right here, and he spoke these divine uh, words. So. It's always hard to describe because with the excavation, sometimes mm. things just look like they've been dug up, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. So you, you're better off with what you've done uh, with your Laga software, where you mm. can show pictures yeah. of probably what a current situation would be like, uh, reflecting back on the fourth century, or three D rendering, you know. exactly. All that's uh, so wonderful. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, what I have here, and this is from Logos Bible Software. They have mm. the before and after show what it looks yeah. like in now or in the past and what it looks like now. Sure. So uh, they believe it was around the 4th or 5th century um, AD, mm-hmm. um, the newest synagogue in Capernaum, made of limestone. Yeah. But as you said, um, when they dug below, they found the original building mm-hmm. that Jesus would have been present at. Mm-hmm. Um, they think this was probably built as possibly by the Roman centurion that we read about in Luke 7, 4 mm-hmm. through 5. So it's possible that, remember, he was the one who gave the money, yeah. and then they built it. Um, the synagogue featured heart-shaped columns. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was an, uh, just an interesting building. Uh, if you have time, Google it, look it up. Sure, that's um, right. Jesus healed many people in the synagogue. Uh, this is where Jesus will heal the man today. Yeah. And also when Jesus would deliver his discourse on the bread of life, mm-hmm. we believe. So, all right. And for the final question, uh, for the third question, why did the Jewish people worship in synagogue? Hmm. Now, we tend to sometimes just think, oh, it was always that way, but that's not the case. Exactly. Okay. So you kind of have to jump back mm-hmm. pre-586 BC. If you were a Jewish man, you would go and you would worship in the temple, woman Absolutely. as well. Yeah. However, in 586, um, well, I just actually taught this to the young, young kids because mm-hmm. um, we're going through each book of the Bible. And the Babylonians, as you know, came in four separate times, kind of doing damage each time they came mm-hmm. in. Yeah. But in 586, they marched into Jerusalem and destroyed the temple, yeah. and they carried people away to Babylon. So just imagine if you were mm-hmm. one of those people, you're now, you're, the place you worship is destroyed, mm-hmm. and you are now living in another land. Where do you worship? Yeah. Well, they would gather together any place they could. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they'd prefer a home. And those became known as synagogues, places yeah. you'd get together and worship. Yeah. And they start to spring up. Um, most of the synagogues were just homes. It yeah. was kind of, a, yeah. I would define in modern times as a home church. That's right, yeah. <laughs> when the Jews returned from Babylon, many continued to meet in synagogues. Mm-hmm. Just the tradition kind of carried on. 
By the time of Christ and Herod's temple, there were synagogues in most regions throughout Israel. Mm -hmm. Some were small, some Mm -hmm. were elaborate. Um, For a town to have a synagogue, all you needed were 10 Jewish men over the age of 12. So these places start springing up everywhere. And obviously, once the temple was rebuilt, they would return there at least three Mm -hmm. times a year. But uh, each week, you would probably go to synagogue. That's right. And yeah. It carries till this day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now, just understanding that, let's really dive into the text. Sure. Verse 22. They were astonished at his teachings because he was teaching them as one who had authority and not like the scribes. Um, I found a quote that I really liked from the biblical illustrator mm-hmm. that said, Christ authority. Nature knew it. Satan confessed it. Angels recognized it, and men felt it. I really love that quote, because when Jesus taught, people just knew this guy's different. (laughs) His teaching was unmatched. Um, Mark, I think, tries to draw this out, because even with this word, astonished, um, the three times it appears even in Mark's gospel, along with Jesus' teaching, It's a very strong term. It has the preposition affixed to the verb, but it's showing continuous action in past time. In other words, they kept Mm -hmm. on being struck. In essence, every time Jesus taught, the people are going, whoa, amazing. And and, and that happens here, then in chapter 6 and verse 2, and 11 in verse 18. So we have the teacher um, instructing the people, and they've go, we've never heard anything like it. And the people were used to the scribes quoting yeah. um, their authorities, and here Jesus is yeah. the authority. Uh, so in our account, I think you really have two emphases. One is um, uh, Jesus' uh, authoritative words, mm. and then pretty soon we're going to see his works. Yeah. So uh, as, as you said, Jesus, they hear Jesus' words, yeah. and they're amazed by yeah. them. After all, is Jesus the word. Yeah, <laughs> He's communicating right. God's right. message. Yeah. And we tend to forget, you know, especially as Bible-believing Christians, hopefully our authority is always found in the Word. Yeah. Where you think of scribes and the Pharisees, they would say, well, Rabbi, so-and-so mm-hmm. says this. That's, right. and yeah. that's why I always caution Christians with mm-hmm. what pastors they follow and who they listen to. Because yeah. a lot of times people will push it back to philosophy or a teacher where we really have to come back to the Word of God. That's right. And uh, Jesus being the Word— um, who is God himself, when he taught, it was authoritative. That's right. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was the word of God. Yeah. So um, so here he is. He's speaking, mm-hmm. middle of service. Just then, a man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue, and he cried out. <laughs> Try to picture that in a church service, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, I wonder how many times this man came to a synagogue and heard the teacher's teaching, yeah. yet no one had a clue that he was demon-possessed. Um, we should notice that this man is speaking, yet the words come from the demons inside of him. Yeah. So in some cases, it seems like there's voices coming out. Yeah. Other times, the people are speaking and the demons are speaking through that. Yeah. So uh, just just a fact there. He seems to be a regular attendee yeah. <laughs> uh, because the spirit, unclean spirit, was, again, continuous action in past time. So he seemed to perhaps yeah. show up there regularly. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jesus's presence drew out what was uh, controlling the man. Uh, I think an honest question, if a demoniac walked into your church and yeah. seemed to be in his right mind, yeah. would the preaching of the word challenge him? That's right, yeah. <laughs> I say in a lot of churches today, uh, you probably do have demonic people walking and they, they, you know, the word of God isn't preached, it's just a little moral or so forth. That's right. The possessed people, you know. Don't even speak up. Yeah. But Jesus's words uh, mm. makes this man cry out. So this is when it gets creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Verse 24. Yeah. What do you have to do with us, mm-hmm. Jesus of Nazareth? Okay. This isn't an agenda thing. This isn't a pronoun thing. Yeah. This isn't refer to me as us yeah. type of thing or them. Um, this is really saying there's a lot of us inside of this dude. Yeah. <laughs> And if I can just make a quick comment here, exegetically, it's fascinating having worked through the four Gospels because this is an idiom. Uh, In other words, the expression given here is something that was particular to the Greek language. It actually says, ti hemen kai soi, what to me and to you. 
the demons are basically acknowledging that they are from a different realm than mm. Jesus. And what do we have in um, uh, that's similar? And it, they're incompatible. Mm. And so this expression is used here, which is is classic because it really shows that the demons recognize uh, that they're in a different league mm. than Jesus. So you have all these demons. Yeah. At least we think. At least us. Yeah. At least two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, in this man. Yeah. And uh, the demons were speaking about Jesus encroaching on, it's possible, the demonic realm. That's right. And uh, this is spiritual warfare going on. Mm-hmm. These demons are in Capernaum, yeah. and uh, Jesus had come. Yeah. Uh, John, who was an eyewitness to these events, wrote in 1 John 3, 8, the Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. That's right. So uh, this is direct warfare, obviously, on the devil. Yeah. Um, so... His forces know that. Um, it's also good to notice that the devils knew exactly, or the demons knew who Jesus was. Exactly. They they weren't. It wasn't like who are you again? Are you just exactly. some prophet or some? Yeah. They knew he was the son of God. Yeah. Um, I, I think you pointed that out before, with uh, especially with the Jehovah Witnesses, mm-hmm. how any time that uh, Jesus is worshipped, they try to use different words. Mm-hmm. Where when they you know. Worship, you know, when the devil says worship me to Jesus, they actually use the word worship, but they, you know, try because they say Jesus isn't the eternal Son of God. He was a created being. Yeah. Um, even his God stuff, if you want to refer to that, was a created. If I remember correctly, it's approximately 60, if not exactly 60 times, proskuneo to worship is used in the Greek New Testament. And they consistently translated worship. But whenever it pertains to Jesus, they change the word because he, you only worship God and they don't want to acknowledge <laughs> Jesus as yeah. God. So you want to talk about textual manipulation? Yeah. There you go. My point being that the yeah. demons, Jehovah Witnesses might not know who Jesus is. Yes, right. But uh, the yeah. demons That's right. who knew him intimately in the sense they were there yeah. when he made them, um, yeah. the fall of Satan, uh, they knew exactly who Jesus Absolutely. was. So they said, have you come to destroy us? Mm -hmm. Um, You probably know better than me, but this could be translated, you have come to destroy us, possibly. Um, In other words, the demons know that Jesus is coming to destroy the works of the devil. Um, They know why he's there. They just know he's not strolling out in Capernaum one day. Yeah, and the us, I think uh, you you pick it up correctly. Us is not the man and the demons. The demons themselves, because the whole purpose of Jesus coming, Luke nineteen ten, was to seek and to save that yeah. which was lost. So it's not destroying the man, but yeah. but the <laughs> demons yeah. uh, that are here. So that's that's the us. But they they know who he is, and uh, the, may I say they're petrified yeah. at this point. They understand yeah. his authority. Yeah, and they say, "I know who you are, the yeah. Holy One of God." Yeah. Um, so these demons understand Jesus's power and fear him. They catch both his humanity, your Jesus of Nazareth, oh. and then also his deity, the Holy One of God. So they understand both uh, facets mm. that he is truly the God-man. Oh. And, and I want to challenge those who are listening right now. Um, Jesus is called the Holy One of God. In other words, he's holy. Yeah. Um, demons are called unclean spirits. Um, and my question is, which one do you, the listener, pursue? Holiness mm-hmm. or uncleanness? First uh, Peter 1, 15 through 16 says, But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. And then we see in Ephesians 5, 3 in the New King James, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for the saints. So I always ask, especially in my youth, in your free time, when you're on your phone, whatever, do you seek the holy or the unclean? Um, and I think that's a good challenge for all of us just to quietly think about as we continue. If I can give a practical yeah, application, you're audacious because this is where I, I personally believe most pastors and teachers avoid the topic of holiness uh, because number one, they watch everything, they listen to everything. So it's hard to preach on holiness when you are absorbing mm-hmm. the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. I, I just to give you a, an analogy, we're doing a sermon, um, the sermon series on the attributes of God. 
I get almost a hundred percent like ratio, and we're up to about two thousand yeah. on like God is good mm. or the grace of God. But that drops down to seventy five percent when you look at the first one I cover, the attribute of God's holiness, uh, because this is so very important. Because without holiness or sanctification, no one's going to see God. And the Old Testament is be holy, for I am holy. Leviticus eleven forty four, and you give us a reference here in First Peter one. It's a huge topic, mm-hmm. but I have to be honest, and we both know this, uh, this is what people avoid. Mm-hmm. And yet it's so essential because the Holy Spirit lives within us. He's the Holy One of God. So what are we called to be? Holy. Mm-hmm. And we know it. We've seen preachers preach on a Sunday, and then we've been in the room where they all sit around and talk about Seinfeld. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if that doesn't make sense to you, yeah. it tells you uh, you might want to check your holiness. Yeah. Because... Uh, People just eat and drink everything into their mind. That's right. And then, uh, yeah, so. But uh, it's really good food for thought. That's right. Uh, Do we seek the holy or the unclean? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we're just seeking to please God. We're trying to live in his spiritual kingdom in a way that pleases him. Um, obviously, because the other side will say, "Well, you're being a Pharisee. <laughs> you know, you're you're be you're making all these rules." And it's like, no, God said, "Be holy, for I am holy." So and even I'm, topics like coarse jesting yes, that Ephesian forbids yeah. the twisting of words to pervert yeah. them. And I, and you have all the Christians sitting there, and they're watching, you know, the so-called late night mm, comedians, yeah. and they're just perverts because yeah. a pervert just twists the truth right. and manipulates it, and everybody's sitting there applauding yeah. and, and drinking us down like water. And the Word of God condemns us taking those kinds of thoughts and entertaining them in our minds. Yeah. So, yeah. I think uh, we really have to see the uncleanness yeah. that goes with the demonic realm. And yeah. there's a reason why this is pushed on all of us. Yeah, it is. I mean, Satan is the ruler of this world. Yeah. Um, so Jesus rebuked him, mm-hmm. saying, be silent and come out of him. Yeah. Uh, this was a powerful display of Jesus' authority. Absolutely. He has the power to speak and the demons would have to leave. There's not a yeah. question. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> As uh, humans, we can't understand this power. Mm-hmm. We can't understand. I, I don't know how you can speak to somebody and like all of a sudden their body's just healed. Yeah. I mean, I've never, yeah. obviously don't have that power today. Mm-hmm. Or just to say demon come out of him and it comes out. Mm-hmm. So I was, I used this illustration once when I was preaching uh, in my home. I have Alexa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I muted her so she couldn't hear me right now. Probably uh, the government has all my information from that. Uh, but Alexa, for those who don't know, it's, you know, you talk to it and it can give you inter- information. Yeah. It's basically like a computer that can listen. Now, that might freak people out, but, you know, you say, uh, Alexa, turn on the light. She turns them off. Sure. Uh, you know, ask a question. Uh, I do it a lot with math. Yeah. I can do when I have complicated questions or when I'm doing video and I have to, you know, count down minutes into seconds and frames and so forth, I can say convert this to this and she does it like that. So she is a time saver, but uh, when she works, mm-hmm. <laughs> but just for this illustration, let's assume Alexa works. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many times have I said to turn off uh, my uh, bedroom lights and it's turning off another room <laughs> lights, but <laughs> story for another day. That's right. But just imagine that Alexa works perfectly. Uh, you simply speak, and then what you say happens, because mm. that's how it's designed. Yeah. In the same way, Jesus simply tells the demon, come out. Sure. And the demon like that, Alexa, that's obedient, listens, mm. and it just, boom, it happens. And I don't think we can understand that amount of power. That's right. I don't think we can understand you just speak, and boom, it right. happens. Yeah. Uh, the Holman Bible commentary on Mark says, those who could cast out demons called exorcists would usually identify themselves by name, uh, themselves by name to some deity or power, and then pronounce some authoritative phrase to cast out the demon. Jesus needed no magical formula to exorcise the demon. He was the ultimate authority. Mm-hmm. So uh, when we just see this, all he has to say is, "Be silent, come out of him," right. and it's as good as done. done. So uh, just tell us about his power. Mm. Also notice that the text says that Jesus commanded the demon to be silent. That's right. Jesus told this demon to shut up and keep his identity quiet as the Messiah. Um, Reason I believe this is, first of all, later he would be condemned by his enemies Mm -hmm. for being in league with the devil. Yeah. That he got his power from the devil. Good point. And second, um, there was to to a certain aspect... 
Jesus talked in parables, and he had to keep the people blind because if they did truly accept him as Messiah, which mm-hmm. they had the free will to do, yeah. um, then he wouldn't die on the cross, which was obviously the Father's will. And you know that's always an argument for, I obviously believe in free will, mm-hmm. that Jesus, he said, you know, having eyes to see, they would see, and having ears, they would hear, yeah. um, if I did not speak in parables, being that, you know, that would change the whole the whole narrative, <laughs> because if this was already predestined, it wouldn't happen yeah. anyways, but obviously it could happen. So Jesus commanded the demons to be silent. I mean, what a better testimony to some people. That's right. If demons are saying, this guy is the son of God, right. so he tells them to be quiet. Now, then Mark adds a couple details. Um, we believe, obviously, this book came from Peter's main source. Mm-hmm. History tells us that. Mm-hmm. And the unclean spirit threw him into convulsions, mm-hmm. shouted with a loud voice, and came out of him. So it, it kind of would have been mm. gross and weird. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> at least he wasn't foaming at the mouth, but uh, like others. But um, I found this uh, a quote from Buxton, mm-hmm. uh, H.J. Wilmont Buxton. People in the day had cool names. <laughs> they did. They're great. That's great. <laughs> now, again, he was H.J., so who knows what the H.J. stood for. Yeah. But uh, I, I really like this quote. He said, There are those who are possessed by the devil of drunkenness or of lust or of foul language or of dishonesty, and they profess not to believe in Jesus and the gospel. But it is not that they do not believe. They are afraid to believe. Mm. The man who is killing himself by excess is told by the doctor that he must change his life or die. He laughs at the advice and declares that he does not believe it, Mm -hmm. but he does believe it, only he is afraid to think of it. So it is with many who are styled unbelievers. Mm-hmm. I have heard of a man who said to God's priest who visited him, we don't want God in this house. There are many such houses, places of business, and private homes where, if people spoke all their mind, they would say, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, Jesus of Nazareth? We don't want God in this house. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I just thought that was a really interesting quote. That's right. Well done. Verse 27. Then they were all amazed, being the people in the synagogue. Mm -hmm. And so they began to ask each other, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Uh, The people are obviously shocked by Jesus's power, his authority. He speaks. You know, he doesn't have to say, by the power, you know, Lois, or... um, I read about the whole Jewish exorcism, and I just touched on it, but they would always try to find the name of the demon. Mm-hmm. And then they always felt if they had the name, then they had the authority to cast That's it right. out. Yes, where um, yeah. Jesus sometimes did ask the name, but he didn't need to know the name. He mm-hmm. just cast it out, mm-hmm. as we see in this one. That's right. At once, the news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. Yeah. Um, if you went into a church service and saw this, you would probably spread it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and that's what happened. Um, and really quick, let's just touch on Luke's narrative, which yeah. is very similar. Mm-hmm. I always point out that this what is chapter four of Luke, uh, I believe. And when you look at Mark, it's like chapter one. Yeah, <laughs> just I know. So to it's the point right. where yeah. Luke, you know, yeah, it's going to the birth and all those right. stories. Exactly. But, uh, Good point. All right. Um, then he went, in this verse 31, then he went down to Capernaum a town in Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. Now, I'm not going to get into how I do the whole chronological thing because that takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. But when you connect it more to the Mark's gospel, it mm-hmm. seems to be a very immediate where uh, Luke's account is they went down to Capernaum, a town, and he was teaching them on mm-hmm. the Sabbath. Seems to be a later time. So not as much chronological as mm-hmm. Mark in this aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, verse 32, they were astonished at his teaching because his message had authority. Yeah. In a synagogue, there was a man with an unclean spirit who cried out with a loud voice, leave us alone. What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And if I can just chime in yeah. quickly there, have you come to destroy us? Why is hell created? For people? Well, if you uh, are given to limited atonement, you would have to say Yes. Uh, but we're provisionists. We think uh, mm-hmm. Jesus's uh, death was unlimited. It was for all who would want to believe in him. Have you come to destroy us? What is hell prepared for? The devil, Matthew 25, 41, and his angels. Oh. They know where they're going. Yeah, they know exactly where they they're going. They know where they're going. And they made their choice. They made their choice. Uh-huh. And yes, yeah. as we believe, grace is offered to all men. Yeah. 
um, that so many verses are quoted out of context applied to apostles, which, yeah. you know, um, I can only draw those. And where Jesus said, I'll draw all men to myself. Yeah. Um, the atonement is good for all men. Um, mm. He didn't die for just a select few. That's right. Um, we don't have to change the text to fit our narrative. That's right. Um, he d- died for all. And if you believe, you're saved. That's it. And you're not saved because you do some great work. You're saved by grace that is offered to all men. Oh, man. Faith is offered to all, too. Yeah. You know, now that's the word game I always hear. I was just yep. listening to MacArthur saying, you know, uh, some those who are not elect don't even have the capacity for faith. Don't yeah. even have the capacity for the same grace. Yeah. Um, and it's like, no, it's offered to all, but either you will accept it and be saved and go to be with the Lord, or if you're not, hell is waiting. How about a Bible quote from context? Yeah. Uh, yeah. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, yeah. uh, Titus 2.11. And I would just say all men there means all men. All does not mean all. <laughs> let me explain yeah, to you. Let me explain to you. The yeah. two wills of God. Yeah. It's a mystery. But yeah. yeah so with you. We could go there all day. But um, I read a, a quote by a man named Trapp who said, uh, some rest in praising the sermon and speaking fair to the preacher. Mm-hmm. The devil here did as much to Christ to be rid of him. That's right. <laughs> like yeah. that quote. Sometimes if you hate the preacher, people just butter him up. So he That's leaves right. him alone. So that's what's going on here. But Jesus rebuked him and said, be silent, come out of him. And throwing him down before them, the demon came out of him without hurting him at all. Amazement came over them all, and they were saying to one another, what is this message? For he commands the unclean spirits with authority and power, and they come out. And news about him began to go out to every place in the vicinity. Uh, Before you get into some of your um, employment um, points, I just want to take a moment uh, in verse 35, be silently means be muzzled. Uh, Jesus had given the authority to his apostles in Matthew 10, 1 uh, to cast out demons. But interestingly, uh, when you go to uh, Matthew 17, Mm. uh, with the transfiguration, Mm. you have three of the disciples with Jesus on the mount, seeing his glory, Peter, James, John, the other nine are down below stewing very jealous, and they seem not to be connected to Jesus. So a man comes, my son is demon-possessed, can you cast him out? And they could not. What happened? He had given me authority back in Matthew 10, 1. I think because they were disconnected with God, they had lost some of their uh, authority and ability. Uh, The word uh, for expelling demons is often dunamis. And uh, I I believe the apostles had that ability. Uh, But the question is, is it any longer in existence? Because, you know, in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, it talks about the gift of miracles. Mm. And I just po- point out quickly, I think by about AD 70, this supernatural ability ceased because when the writer of Hebrews is addressing uh, the people to whom he's writing, he talks about the things being confirmed past tense to the apostles. And one of the things he mentions there would be diverse miracles. So it mm. seems by about AD 70, that the ability to expel demons uh, had ceased. So where does that leave us today? Very simply, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. When someone believes on him, they are set free. But I don't think, and we both know, Mm. that we have the ability to go out and cast out Mm. demons uh, today. But it was a gift uh, given to the apostles, Mm. 2 Corinthians 12, 12. And then I think to some of those um, first century saints, but then it ceased. I think the best we can do is pray, fast. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, yeah. if the persons get saved, obviously, at that yeah. point, the demon would be expelled. Yeah. But we yeah. have no power or authority That's right. in above ourselves. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not walking up to some demon person trying to cast it out. No. You know, I'm going to give them the gospel because right. we know if they're saved. Yeah. And we would say that with the miracle gifts. Um, we would throw that in with tongues. That's right. Um, they were wonderful gifts. It wasn't weirdness. It was just you had the gift. You didn't have to practice it. You right. just you just had it. Yeah. And uh, oh, how I wish tongues was alive today that I could just, you know, walked over to my Latino neighbor and just start, you know, That's speaking. Right. Yeah. Uh, they give the gospel. Or I go to another part of the world without studying language and just start, yeah. you know, saying. Um, same with miracles. I wish I could walk up to you see these sick people, kids That's with right. cancer, stuff. I wish I could sure. walk up. But uh, obviously when the yeah. church, as you said, was... The foundation was laid. It showed the authority. It mm-hmm. showed who they were. 
And even 1 Corinthians is a very early book. That's right. As we get into Good later points. books, um, we don't see anything on tongues. That's right. Even healings, that's we don't right. see. Yeah. In fact, Paul is leaving behind companions who are sick. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and if you had the gift of healings, why would you be leaving behind yeah. people yeah. who are sick? Yeah. Uh, that would be awful. That's right. And good Christian men. So we see that those were kind of phased out. It laid the foundation, mm-hmm. was done. So mm-hmm. we're going to look. Um, that's a little extra we threw in there. Yeah. That's the nice thing about a podcast. That's right. A sermon, Absolutely. you don't want to go down rabbit holes where yeah. uh, it's kind of nice to have a podcast where you can talk about such things. Yep. So we're going to look at two simple points. First one, employment point. The demonic realm is alive and active. That's right. How many times did a demon-possessed man attend synagogue, yet no one noticed that he had Mm. a demon? Mm -hmm. The spiritual realm is very real and impacts all of humanity every day. That's right. Don't underestimate the enemy, for he is still active today. I look at all the suicides. Mm Mm-hmm. I look at all these kids hurting themselves, cutting themselves, just doing stuff that's just, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't do. That's right. (laughs) But yet people are killing themselves right and left. The drug use, um, which is very, that's another fact we didn't really get into. But when you see the word witchcraft, it has the idea of drug use. That's right. Um, They go hand in hand. That's right. So uh, I believe that the demonic realm is very sharp and Mm -hmm. smart. Uh, Satan's not going to run around saying, hey, look at me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. these are my demon-possessed people. Um, they're going to be very, very shrewd. They're going to blend in. Um, I think a lot. I, I just taught on King Saul, and the spirit mm. came down on him. Yeah. An evil spirit would come on him, and he had severe depression. That's right. But the severe depression was the demonic forces. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not saying, obviously, every time you're depressed, it's demonic forces, sure. but those forces are active. Exactly. And uh, I, they're not walking around with signs saying, hey, I'm a demon. Mm-hmm. I think it's much more subtle. Why do people yeah. go out and just murder people or mm-hmm. you know, push someone on a subway when you're not drunk or high? And, you mm-hmm. know, I, I think a lot is just demonic activity right. destroying. Um, we see in Ephesians 6, 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. Right. So um, I always remember that when I'm working with people, when I see people doing horrible immorality, mm-hmm. people doing horrible things. It's not technically the person. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're the vessel which is used. But you just want that person to be saved right. because there are forces behind those people. Absolutely. Question to ask myself. How engaged am I in spiritual warfare? Mm-hmm. Am I prepared for battle? Yeah. Um, and here's the thought, and this is what we really need to examine. What are my weaknesses? Mm-hmm. How does the enemy exploit them? How can I eliminate them? Mm-hmm. Have I armed myself with the armor of God, or do I walk in the battle weak and unprepared? Yeah. I, I'm a firm believer that in our flesh, we all have certain weaknesses. Yeah. And if we're smart, we step back and say, I identify this is my weakness. Yeah. So what can I do to make sure the enemy doesn't exploit it? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then you craft a plan to defend yourself. Perfect. Um, mm-hmm. So, but you have to first identify it. Um, and that brings us to Ephesians 6, 14 through 17. There stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist. Mm-hmm. I think that's important because truth holds everything together. It holds it all together. Uh, you have to just focus on truth. Um Righteousness like armor on your chest and your feet sandaled with the readiness of the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with you, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows Mm. of the evil one. Mm -hmm. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Uh, Notice the shield of faith. I think it's so vital. Um, When I listen to debates, especially secularist hard word to say, people who, uh, you know, say, God, you're a fool to believe in God, mm-hmm. um, the guys at universities, or even people have left the faith, I even think like Red Link, those types of guy, mm-hmm. they always attack faith. Yeah. Because if they can remove faith, they remove the shield, which extinguishes the attacks of the evil one. Yeah. So um, they always say, you know, faith, why would we have faith? We're all into reason. Mm-hmm. And they try to remove faith. So faith is vital uh, to keep us uh, just prepared and ready. And then finally, our final point, uh, Jesus has authority over the demonic realm. 
Jesus simply spoke and the demons left the man. The people were shocked and amazed by the way Jesus spoke. Mm. You must remember that Jesus created all things, so all things are under his power and authority. Um, We know, obviously, when he came down to earth, he uh, laid aside in an aspect. You have to be very Mm. careful with how you say that because he had the power. He yeah. just chose not to exercise it. It's yeah. not like he gave it up and exactly. said, I'm no longer God. Um, I think that's pointing to his humble attitude and ability, mm-hmm. being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery. Um, but he chose not to exercise these powers. But he allowed, obviously, God the Father and the Holy Spirit to work through him to mm-hmm. carry out the Father's will. Yeah. And obviously now, um, he he has all the authority and he exercises that authority, as we see in Colossians 1.16. For everything was created by him, who, mm-hmm. Jesus, in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Yeah. So all the powerful demonic forces fear him and know they will be judged by him. Yeah. Question I need to ask myself, how often do I seek Jesus's help? and powerful protection from the devil and his demonic forces. Uh, we see that in the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. I refer to it as the disciples' prayer. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, lead Lord us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Mm. Um, it's vital. And then Romans 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So once again, the demonic age, don't conform to it, but be transferred by how your mind, so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And thoughts, I can go to God in Jesus's name in prayer anytime. How often do I go to him in prayer? Mm -hmm. And how often do I study his word and commit them to memory? Do I seek God's help or trust in my own weaknesses? And just to clarify something, um, I hear people say very odd things when it comes to prayer. Mm. Um, We pray, and we would both agree, because it's biblical, to the Father. Mm -hmm. And the Spirit helps us to know what to say sometimes. It helps us because it knows the mind of God. Mm. And then Jesus is there on the right hand, and he intercedes for us. So in an aspect, we're not praying to Jesus. We're not praying to the Holy Spirit. We're praying to the Father. Mm -hmm. And yet in their perfect relationship, they all three work together uh, to help the believer. So, um, Because I've had some people get upset when I don't say, like, in Jesus' name or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, I do ask in Jesus, but... You know, I kind of know I'm asking right. him in his yeah, name. Exactly. You know, it's not a magical formula. Exactly. But side point, but just to clarify. Mm. So let's answer our main question. Are we engaged in spiritual warfare by telling others about Christ's identity as Redeemer and Judge? Or are we on the sideline drinking spiritual Slurpees? Mm. Um, I really hope this episode in this podcast gave you food mm. for thought mm-hmm. and that you take that thought and use it as energy as you engage in spiritual warfare for the sake of Christ's kingdom. Yeah. Um, if you're engaged in warfare, you know it. That's right. It's not academic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, if it's all academic to you, you're not in warfare. Right. You know, you're a general in the ivory tower. You need to get out and get on the battlefield. Mm. So uh, before we end, anything you want to say? Now, uh, just Ephesians 6.12 Satan has marshaled his forces. He's highly organized as the spiritual mafia. You need that shield of faith. The shield of faith, uh, and the Roman soldier would have a shield four foot by two and a half. They can link mm. uh, because they they marked in lockstep. They they march together. You need to be with other saints to keep mm. you spiritually strong. That's something needs. You need the um, word of God uh, because that is what Jesus used. We need to use yeah. it as well. And just to everyone, when you're working with individuals that there seems to be an open door to their life from the wicked one, that Romans 12, 1 and 2 is essential that you do present your bodies to God Mm. because you need to shut down entrance uh, into one's life from the wicked one. And we know uh, Satan's a deceiver. Um, Just really fast before we end, I want Mm -hmm. to talk about aliens. (laughs) Might seem silly, but... uh, as you know, lately, there's been so many reports with aliens. I don't know if you've been even mm-hmm. seeing any of the news with Twitter, uh, wherever, get our news sources. We claim 200 taxes every year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work like that. 
but I think it's uh, just one of those things you kind of know. So obviously, we don't know when the Lord's returning. Yeah. We're, not, we're not giving predictions because right. we do not know. Yeah. We have no idea. But I think it's interesting because Satan's a deceiver. That's right. And there's such a big emphasis right now on, you know, there's all these beings that are around us. And it's like, yes, they are, but they're spiritual. I don't believe That's in right. aliens. Yeah. But I sometimes wonder with the rapture, with all that coming, if Satan at this time, you know, isn't using these types of situations as the great deceiver sure. to try to have an excuse when millions of believers are taken off this world. I agree. Um, my point being tying into this is that Satan's a deceiver. He's very smart. He's mm-hmm. planned. I mean, he has scripture. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he's not stupid and can take it and read it. He was there for most of it. Yeah. So uh, I just always think it's interesting when we're looking at news and stuff mm-hmm. and people are constantly being deceived by so many things yeah. that we just know Satan's at work um, doing so much stuff. Yeah, the Antichrist that, is going to send yeah. a strong delusion, yeah. Second Thessalonians, and I think he's going to use anything he can yeah. to get the child of God or get other people distracted by the delusions. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I just think we should be on guard. Mm-hmm. I see even with superheroes um, movies, they're all doing multiverses, uh, which is like, you know, there's multiple of yous in other universes. Mm-hmm. And now I see it in universities. It's kind of interesting. Um, a lot of anti-God science mm-hmm. are trying to teach that same philosophy, mm-hmm. that there's multi- multiverses out there. There's no proof. Mm-hmm. But uh, we didn't need a God because there's multiverses out there. Mm-hmm. and But they just try to bring it in through media mm-hmm. just to get people used to these godless ideas. Just, okay. you know, interesting observations. They might yeah. mean absolutely nothing at the end of the day. Yeah. But uh, just be on guard. Satan is working out there. Right. And uh, don't take anything. Uh, always investigate and look everything through the eyes of uh, Scripture. Mm-hmm. And that was Podcast 17, Jesus' First Exorcism in a Synagogue, which was taken from Mark 1 and Luke 4. In the Jesus Said That series, uh, we'd love it if you'd like, comment, and subscribe. Please. And uh, please continue to pray for our ministry at Coleman Manor Bible Church. Uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah.